Hi, and welcome back to Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC. I'm Sarah Fellows, Communications Manager. And with me, I have Greg Lee, our President and CEO. Good to see you again. You too. It's been a little while since we've uh, sat down for our podcast. We've had a lot of other uh, guests on our podcast, so I appreciate you coming back on. Yep, no problem. Uh, we have a, a particular topic today, um, and we've addressed some of it, and uh, we're going to kind of re revisit a little bit of that, and then uh, the rest of it is something we really haven't talked about, so we really wanted to dig into this for our members to let them know a little bit more about curtailment is what it's called, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, what we have covered before we're going to start with is kind of where we are in the grid. So people have heard of the term, the grid, uh, the electric grid. Um, you know, kind of a real quick recap on what that is and where we fall into that as a distribution co-op. Yeah, so Nolan RECC is an electrical distribution utility. Um, so basically everything from the meter on a person's home residence, business, etc., all the way back to a substation is the infrastructure that we are responsible for. Um, from the substation back through the transmission lines to the generation facilities is what East Kentucky Power Cooperative is responsible for. They're considered a generation and transmission um, utility and we have a uh, wholesale power agreement with them and we purchase the power that we then sell at the retail level from them. East Kentucky Power is a member of PJM which is a regional transmission organization that balances the wholesale supply of electricity across a pretty significant region of the United States, kind of ranging from uh, the mid-Atlantic area and stretching out through parts of the Midwest. And so what that does for us, and we've explained this in a podcast before, but uh, in terms of reliability and, um, and just a larger system to pull from, explain a little bit about what that does, uh, being a part of that larger uh, transmission organization. Well, so one of the good things we have going for us here, we'll, again, we'll just start from at a person's home or business and work our way up through the infrastructure system. Nolan has a very resilient system. Uh, we spend a lot of intentional time on system maintenance, sound design, uh, doing our very best to manage uh, vegetation issues, which are a major concern in this particular part of the world. Um, so we might not have our best day every single day, but by and large, Nolan is one of the most resilient systems in this region, if not across the country, in terms of distribution utilities. East Kentucky Power is well positioned uh, in the grid because they have their own generation assets, they have a pretty robust transmission system, and also because they are a part of PJM. So East Kentucky Power has not only good operational resiliency, but they also have um, a good financial hedge against variable market conditions because not only can they purchase and sell power to and from the PJM marketplace, but if all else fails, they have generation available that they own and operate that can sustain Nolan and the other 15 cooperatives that purchase power from them. 
So the reason we're really bringing this up, this is grid resiliency and kind of just the larger topic of the electric grid is really becoming a topic that people are starting to notice. Um, you know, five, ten years ago, it might not have been something that anyone had ever really even thought about. Um, but there's been a lot more talk about it lately. Um, and so we, we wanted to kind of relay that foundation of, you know, we, we are in a resilient system. We have, you know, a, a large amount of assets to pull from in terms of being able to deliver power. Um, and so that piece is kind of foundational. Um, but there are times uh, when circumstances bring about things, things that we can't control, but we do have to respond to, um, and East Kentucky has to respond to, and that's where curtailment comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, curtailment is a word that I wouldn't have had any idea what it was until I got into this business. So talk just uh, briefly, like, what is that, um, and kind of how does that, well, we'll talk about demand too, but kind of just what is curtailment, we'll start there. So as I mentioned, NOLIN and its members are well postured for uh, severe uh, weather events that may require a high demand of electricity, meaning a lot of supply is needed in order to provide the amount of electricity that everyone needs at a given point in time. Um, in addition to the resiliency I was talking about with NOLIN in East Kentucky, PJM, by virtue of the members of that organization and the assets available at its discretion, it is one of, if not the most robust uh, regional transmission wholesale balancing organizations across the country. Okay, so a lot of good things going for us here. Curtailment is when there is not enough supply of electricity to meet the demand requirements mm -hmm. of all of the end users at a given point in time. Probably the best examples of this uh, for people to understand are over the last two or three years there have been multiple events in uh, California and Texas uh, that have substantiated the need to have rotating power outages some people may refer to that as a rolling blackout, but it is a rotating power outage uh, in order to reduce that demand so that there is a requisite amount of supply to be able to provide to the end users. But there's not enough available to provide to every single end user at one point in time, so they have to take some of them off, leave some of them on, and then rotate it to where those that were on or off and you restore to those that had a segment of time of being off. Right, and that's not, because they've drawn a lot of press, people might think that they're more common than they are. Um, and that, but that in Kentucky, that's not something we're used to. Uh, but it is something that we're having to start talking about um, because it's the, the increased demand on all of our systems, and, and there are other factors um, that we won't get into a lot today, but in terms of uh, reduced supply and, and things like that, and when do we see those high points of demand? What is the most likely time for that to happen? Generally speaking, during the most extreme temperatures. So that can happen in the summer or the winter. So in the summer, uh, typically in the afternoon, think about end of the work day, into the point in time that people are getting home, um, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. roughly in summer months on very hot summer days, you're going to have the highest demand times 
on an electric grid. And then also in the winter, there's usually two segments during the course of the day. There's a significant peak in the morning when people are getting up, getting ready to go to work, you know, maybe like six to nine a.m. roughly. And then there's also a secondary peak in the evening when they return home. Again, maybe four to five p.m. to eight p.m. Right. Um, so, with that being said, um, one of the things that is interesting about us here in Kentucky, no Lynn and East Kentucky Power typically have our highest peaks in the winter. And it's because of the heating technologies that are utilized mostly here in Kentucky. A lot of us in Kentucky have heat pumps, okay? Uh, the fail-safe for heat pump technology is purely resistive electrical heating elements. When all of those come on at the same time, it is a lot of demand added to the system. In other parts of the country, they don't necessarily have electric heat pumps. They may have uh, gas or oil as their primary heating source in their home. That is why PJM is actually historically not a winter peaking entity. PJM is a summer peaking entity, even though East Kentucky Power and Nolan are winter peaking entities. So it is somewhat variable as to the part of the country that we're in and the heating and cooling technologies utilized in those regions. Mm -hmm. uh, but here in Kentucky, you see it some in the summer, yeah. mostly the concern for us locally is going to be in the winter and that is when we're going to have to safeguard against those uh, major uh, temperature extremes causing those demand spikes. And so re recently we've had a, a, that kind of a situation that was really building uh, to a point where there was some concern. So uh, around Christmas time, I think it was Christmas Eve, uh, we had had those sustained temperatures and I'm sure everyone remembers uh, several days of, of very, very low temperatures. Um, and we had people at home, um, more so than they might have been because of the holiday. Uh, lots of factors went into it, but uh, that was one of those times that we saw uh, kind of a peak demand. And, and I think I'm right when I say that it was the most demand we had had on, on our system, on Nolan system, ever. Is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, December 23rd, I think. So there were a few consecutive really cold days leading up to Christmas in 2022 as part of Winter Storm Elliott, Polar Vortex circumstance. It was very cold here. I think our peak was on December 23rd, it was 238 megawatts. That's the most demand ever seen on the Nolan system. Wow. Uh, similarly, on that same day, East Kentucky Power had their peak demand across their entire system, which includes Nolan and 15 other distribution cooperatives. So with that being said, uh, one of the things that we were very concerned about was not necessarily the individual uh, infrastructure available here at Nolin, but we were concerned about the amount of generation that PJM had available and if we were going to be able to have enough supply to meet all of the loads across the PJM system. Right. Now fortunately, it didn't quite come to that point, but it was close enough we were legitimately concerned it may be an action that we would need to take to 
at least consider rotating power outages on a short-term basis to keep the demand down below a threshold that there was available supply. Mm -hmm. And in other parts of the country, they actually had to go ahead and do that. Right, right. And people would have heard of that. And so, I mean, we, we had a neighboring power uh, uh, distribution system that did have to do that. And so, um, again, that was kind of one of those things you, you heard about it. Uh, but you didn't know is that going to impact us? Um, you know, there's an outage, but for an unrelated reason, it was it's kind of a confusing time, and that that was one of the reasons why we really wanted to get out in front of this winter season to talk a little bit more about this, um, in case this is something that comes up again. Um, again, we don't we don't expect it to be a common occurrence, but when it does happen, we don't want our members to be confused or scared. We have a plan, and and we know you know what's going to happen and we want to make sure that our members have an idea of that too. So um, between, so we, we did it over uh, the Christmas time last year, we did at least over social media uh, request that we, uh, that our members curtail or conserve energy um, for certain periods of time. And we did have that request that we put out there at the request of East Kentucky. Um, and so, uh, again, that, that might be part of what happens in the future if this happens again. Uh, so that's part of a voluntary curtailment. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, well, you've, you've talked about rotating outages, which is kind of more of a mandatory curtailment, but a voluntary curtailment um, can be part of that too, but that's a step before that. So when concern proliferates that we may not have enough supply for the demand, the first line of defense is the end users. Uh, so any adjustment to behaviors that you and I and any other Nolan member can make that quite frankly are not not going to change our life but it's just a short-term inconvenience right. that we can endure that is the easiest thing we can do to try to mitigate the concern of needing a mandatory curtailment, which is going to be when we have rotating power outages. Right. So to attempt to avoid that mandatory curtailment circumstance mm -hmm. where we're going to have rotating power outages and on intervals of you know, probably about an hour, we're not going to have power and then it'll rotate to someone else and we'll get ours back. We can avoid that potentially by doing things like setting our thermostat back. Yeah, a lot of us probably like to have it at 70 or 72. Mm -hmm. If we could live with it being at 66 for a few hours, right. you know, at most a day, right. that'd go a long way, okay? Mm -hmm. um, whenever we evoke a uh, volunteer participation in a curtailment, maybe not take a hot shower so that there's more demand on your water heater. Right. That'd be something that, uh, that we could probably wait a little bit on. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have an electrical clothes dryer, don't dry your clothes. Right. Um, if you have an electric stove or oven, maybe not, not cook at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, it, like I said earlier, anything with purely resistive heating elements in it, right. Space heater, Space that's, that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, clothes iron, hair curling iron, all of that stuff. Anything that produces heat, mm -hmm. it uses a lot of electricity. Right. We could forego those for a short period of time. And that's really going to make the biggest difference on reducing the demand. Yes, turning your lights off when you're not using them, things like that, that helps too. Right. But, but with the lighting technologies available now um, and many electronics, those things 
utilize such a small volume of electricity, right. it's going to make almost a negligible difference in the big picture relative to not using these items that are purely resistive and create a lot of heat. Right. And we're not asking people to not do it ever, just again, for a period of time. Yes, uh, short and, period of time. And we'll be clear when we communicate with our members about when that time period is. Um, and I, I think it's a really important point to remember that when you use electricity matters, and that's what we're asking. You know, if you have a dishwasher, set it to run overnight, maybe when, it, when there's a lot less demand mm -hmm. on the system. So just right. kind of shift your habits, not necessarily you know, don't not cook. We're not asking you to not cook. We're asking you to not cook during this time frame yes. or use a crock pot or whatever. For a short period of right. time during a peaking circumstance. Right. And we do have some industrial loads that, that as part of their contract, they, they have curtailment measures too, but that's something that Nolan deals with them specifically on. So it's not just our residential members. Right. That's correct. We have, we have a couple of organizations that participate in a, um, service interruption tariff rider and if cir certain circumstances permit that we have a uh, high demand situation and we're concerned about supply um, we can call upon them to reduce their load and that is part of their contractual obligation uh, with us so so we're talking about kind of voluntary curtailment so the next level would be if if the supply is then not uh, or the demand is not reduced enough to be met by the supply then there is the kind of mandatory curtailment, which is the rotating outages. Um, and you've spoken about that a little bit, but um, in terms of that, is that something that Nolan controls? Do we say, oh, well, this neighborhood's gonna go off and this neighborhood's gonna go off? We do not have active control of that. Uh, East Kentucky Power, which really is the level in the supply chain that makes the most logical sense to to dictate these decisions from but East Kentucky Power has a rotating power outage plan that implements Nolan and the other 15 co-ops that receive power from East Kentucky mm -hmm. and if we were in a circumstance that we had to evoke the rotating power outage plan there is a um, cycle of different substations that East Kentucky can go through and they will shut some off for a short period of time, probably about an hour, and then restore and shut some others off. Mm -hmm. And we could rotate through this cycle and the idea is by having a short-term inconvenience to any one individual, we can keep we can keep rotating this over a period of time, really indefinitely, even though it's probably only going to be for a few hours. Right. Uh, but that would be able to keep the demand below the supply threshold so that rotating power outages or rolling blackouts didn't turn into cascading blackouts, right. which for the people sitting at home is really the problem. If you do not take these aggressive uh, active actions to reduce demand, right. if there's not supply, the system's going to make those decisions for you and a lot of stuff's going to trip offline. Right. And there could be damage to the system. Lots of damage. Right. So we're not just, it's not just about inconvenience. We're, we're trying to, to maintain the integrity of a system that will continue to deliver our, 
our power uh, beyond that. So, Correct. you know, for a few moments or an hour, we're inconvenienced, but then it, it helps a much larger picture. That's right. We're able to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, mean, I think that that kind of covers the big picture of that. Um, you've talked a little bit about what our members can do, uh, really specific uh, things that they could do. Um, and they may be asking themselves, you know, how am I going to know? Uh, and I think that's a really great question, um, how, how we're able to communicate with our members because, you know, we can forecast, we, we'll know a forecast for a week, but until, you know, a day or two before negative whatever, we may not know exactly if that's going to put a strain on the system. So we don't always have even a lot of lead time, but we, we do have a plan in terms of how we're going to communicate that. Do you want to talk about that at all? It is more likely than not we are going to be able to reasonably anticipate when we're going to have a significant concern associated with high demand. Um, therefore, this is really mostly in your area of expertise, but you're going to take proactive measures to communicate to the membership, you know, this is a, this is a week or this is a weekend where maybe we're a little bit on guard to uh, take some minor actions upon request to help us manage the situation. It is possible if there are failure of generation assets to start or some of those trip offline, it is possible that a rotating power outage plan may need to be utilized without hardly any notice at all. Right. Again, that is the less likely scenario. We can usually project and anticipate these things occurring and we would be able to give the members the opportunity mm -hmm. to help us as that first line of defense before more problematic um, counteraction needs to take place right. to mitigate a much larger concern. But you're gonna do that through social media. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to set the stage and educate everyone on that now by doing things like this podcast, by some... Uh, Your CEO column. That yeah, the Kentucky Living article that's going to be coming out in October. Mm -hmm. Trying to get people ready. Don't think that this is going to happen. Hope it never does. Right. But it's just a reality that we all need to understand and accept that the demand on the system is increasing every day. Right. And there are other factors involved with the availability of generation assets. And these two things, they're kind of working against each other right now. Mm -hmm. So it's going to make having a plan for managing these challenging circumstances a very important thing. Whereas here in the United States in the past, this isn't really something we ever had to think about or worry about, which is a blessing. We're still blessed to be in the situation that we're in. Right. We just need to have a plan. Right. So, um, and we we're talking a little bit about communication. Uh, people, our members can watch. I, I would highly suggest that members have a, a working cell phone, an updated cell phone number, and an updated email address on their account because then we're able to uh, communicate with them that way. So a very direct message to them, um, and we'll be able to do that when you know the voluntary piece of it comes on. And then if if it is, it becomes a. Um, a situation where a mandatory outage is needed, uh, we'll be able to communicate 
that with them as soon as we, we are able. Again, that, that um, notice that we may get may be very, very short, uh, but we will do our best to get as, as quickly that message out as we can. Mm -hmm. um, we have great media partners here in town, and uh, so I'll be on the radio you know, talking about what, what our members need to do. Our website will be uh, having that, our social media. And uh, so we, we will use any channel that we've got readily available to us quickly uh, to be able to, to communicate with our members. So, you know, I would say if a member knows, you know, we've got a pretty cold spell coming up, maybe start listening for that. Maybe mm -hmm. start, you know, make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure you're checking our website or listening to the radio uh, when those circumstances come to pass. So is there anything that we've missed, anything else uh, that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up today? I don't think so. Okay. I hope this is all for naught. I know. I know. I know. We, you, again, I think we're we're so about safety and preparing for things that we hope kind of don't ever happen. Uh, but if you don't prepare for them, then we're not doing anybody a service. So right. we really want to be as transparent and helpful to our members as we can. Mm -hmm. all right. So thanks for talking to me today, and thank you for joining us for Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC.